No, not that. Yeah. Can you hear me? Nice. Okay. All right, I'm going to switch over. I've got to edit this out. Oh, maybe I'll leave it in. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. Welcome back to something about Web3. I am Dan Lippert, and I am here with Kazwaki. Yes. And this is episode two of our podcast about it's something about Web3. It's about all things, uh, I guess, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, other technologies, uh, cryptography, and all that kind of good stuff. So we're back with another episode. Thank you, everyone who checked out the first episode. Um, and we're on, of course, Spotify, but also on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, YouTube, and probably a bunch of other places. Um, yeah, so go follow us. Um, you can find myself at, at Dan underscore Lippert, L-I-P-E-R-T on Twitter. Uh, I'll link our Twitters in the show notes. Um, Kazuaki is also on Twitter. Um, and then where you find the podcast, I don't know. Just search something about Web3. And I'm sure you'll find it. I'm pretty sure that works. We'll get a domain at some point. Uh, probably once we figure out a good name for this podcast. Uh, yeah, right. You might be stuck um, with what we have. We'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Kazuaki, you were saying that you're starting to get some um, gear FOMO. I don't know if FOMO is the right word, but... Uh, yeah um what were you what were you thinking about uh well first gear i took a look was of course the microphone the shore mm -hmm. which one is it uh not the usb one but have uh xlr cable with uh oh boy. Gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm gonna buy a interface as well oh boy <laughs> <laughs> You know, in the music world, they call that um, gear acquisition syndrome. So oh, you say yeah. you have gas, you have bad gas, mm -hmm. bad gear acquisition syndrome. You have this need to buy more and more audio interfaces and microphones and synthesizers and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. That is real. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I probably already have this stuff, but I'm just recording on my phone. But I actually have my music studio in the other room with a microphone right. and a nice yeah. audio interface set up. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Let us know in the comments if I should move into the studio. Yeah. Galaxy. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I fully support your your need to acquire more gadgets, Kazuaki. I think yeah, it's great. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Once we get more listeners, we should we should seriously think about this. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. I actually I didn't tell you this yet, but I already had someone reach out and ask if we would talk about something on the podcast in return for a financial compensation. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say who it was. Okay. Um obviously we didn't we didn't do it yet. Hmm. But 
But I thought that was quite interesting. I think it shows that this space is really in need of a lot more media, a lot more people talking about maybe the technical side of things, or I feel like there's just so much out there that's being built in terms of platforms, technologies, chains, and there just aren't enough people talking about them in ways that aren't price go up, price go down, you know, wind moon, that type of stuff. Anyway, so you sent me this link uh, earlier this week, a Japanese Twitter thread about how the blockchain is not inefficient in its energy consumption. And this is mm -hmm. definitely something that's been talked about a lot with the American Twitter sphere and people in crypto and people outside of crypto, you know, as a very big criticism of crypto. Of course, also in the EU, they had uh, some sort of legislation or vote that failed that would, I think, outlaw proof of work cryptocurrencies, although I don't know how, how that would even work. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about this uh, Japanese Twitter thread? That's kind of, I don't know, how would you describe it? Yeah, uh, well, basically, this guy is saying, uh, well, he has something want to talk about about web3 energy consumption and you know a lot of people criticize oh bitcoin's energy uh, efficient because mm -hmm. and it's not useful but he he was pointing out it's it's useless and i mean it's it's pointless i guess and then he was saying that users are usually try to pick up a uh, the low gas fee, right? Mm -hmm. And the blockchain is all about uh, so the basically to consider that uh, blockchain has a mechanism design that uh, try to lower the gas fee, and that's right. why like uh, that's why layer two and Lightning Network or proof of stake technologies. Like all, all kinds of stuff uh, are popping up like every couple months. So, um, that's true. Yeah. And so the whole ecosystem are trying to move to the energy uh, efficient way, right? And, yeah. But he was pointing out that. Um, Energy uh, here, the pro the real problem about Web3 energy consumption is that um, energy consumption per transaction, it's not, it's not about energy consumption per transaction. The real problem is we've been producing so much uh, <laughs> garbage transaction on right. the blockchain we've been playing too much yeah <laughs> uh and i think that's true i think that's true definitely it's true for chains other than bitcoin mm -hmm. at least right probably bitcoin as well but but if you look at chains like binance or phantom oh yeah there's certainly a lot of nonsense transactions that happen mm-hmm uh, usually some failed arbitrage or whatever. Although I get, you can argue that those transactions are necessary. 
for the health mm-hmm. of the chain and yeah. price discovery and things like that. I think yeah. there's some really interesting points for sure. I, I do think the price, the energy consumption per transaction is, is really a flawed mm-hmm. argument because it's not taking to, into account that the network is used. Yes, it's used for transacting, but there's the, um, the transactions are, you know, a piece of a, of a larger puzzle that involves mm-hmm. applications, exchanges, um, you know, if you if you add in all of the transactions that are happening on exchanges, centralized exchanges, obviously that would bring the price per transaction way down. It's part of that ecosystem, but it's not on chain, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so and he he's also pointing out like we can create transaction like in a couple dollars with a couple dollars, and then if yeah. you think about like our traditional finance on the on the international money transfer how much how much does it cost like you you gotta think about it yeah yeah that is true i mean if i buy um one share of a penny stock on robin hood like what is the price of that transaction you know right? all yeah. the people that work at robin hood the mm-hmm. people who work at the stock exchange the people who work at the sec <laughs> right yeah. i mean there's so many people involved in that so you it's really tough to actually size up the the impact that the financial world has on the environment and then to compare it to bitcoin i think it's just extremely difficult right um, and that's a really interesting point you made about how it's kind of reflected in dollars and that built into blockchain bitcoin ethereum etc is an incentive to try to come up with scaling solutions because it is so directly translatable into fiat currency values. So mm-hmm. when, when you see all of these transactions happening that are costing, you know, hundreds of dollars in gas fees, it incentivizes people to build new platforms like optimism or phantom right. or lightning network or whatever. Yeah. And, all of that stuff is really hidden in the traditional financial world. And yeah. there's a lot of barriers to entry to someone who wants to build a new platform to try to improve that in any way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, really uh, overall, um, Web3 doesn't have any problem about um, energy consumptions. It's, it's working really great at this moment, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. I think the incentives are really helping. Um, And, you know, that kind of brings me to our next topic, which is the ETH merge. Um, Well, let me ask you this. Do you think it's even still needed now, now that we have optimism and all these other solutions? What is the point of going to proof of stake at this point? Mm. That's true. I see a lot of people... Um, saying proof of stake is um, scammer or something like that. <laughs> scammer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's that's a little harsh. I <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, that's that's the person who picked the violence. But uh, yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. Hmm. I don't think it's scammer, but uh, different. Uh, I would say different approach for like cheaper transaction fee 
But um, yeah. uh, I think it's um, we don't have to work really hard on this since we have like power chains and side chains or different layer two solutions. Yeah. And, and the, I feel like all those solutions are just now starting to be really useful, starting really to have those core integrations of the core platforms in DeFi um, that make DeFi work. I feel like it's just getting started and now they're going to oh. come and say, well, we have this other solution too that's going to kind of further fragment Mm -hmm. the you know the the available solutions for end users so That's i don't true. know but i but i am seeing a lot of interesting stuff being built on top of eth staking um mm. i don't know if you've seen like the the steth tokens going around and things like that mm, what's steth staked ether okay so if you have ether, you can you can stake it, um, yeah. you know, in in a shared staking pool. And now there are staking pools that are giving you, in return, a staked ETH token. Mm. So you can remain liquid while staking. Okay. And generate yield and 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 all kinds of stuff. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, seeing that type of stuff actually made me more bullish on proof of stake. Because mm. uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty pro proof of work. Right. But I'm also kind of interested in the DeFi degeneracy of having a stake. That's true. Token. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. I just think that's very interesting. Uh, yeah. and, and something that proof of work doesn't have. And I don't I don't really hear anyone talking about that. Mm. Um I mean, DeFi is just so exciting yep. compared to Bitcoin. You know, right. I don't, I don't. You know, Bitcoin is exciting when it goes up and down, but but now most people are rooting for, um, you know, some sort of Bitcoin instruments on the traditional finance stock markets and things like that, mm -hmm. or or Cash App, allowing you to. I just saw this from the big Bitcoin conference that's going on. Cash App is going to allow you to automatically take a percentage of your salary uh, direct deposit into cash app and change that into Bitcoin. Um, you know, stuff like that. Very traditional mm. finance type of stuff, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Versus what's happening in ETH and what's happening with Web3 in general. Right. right. Um, I don't know. how. So, so how's your FOMO in terms of uh, ETH, I mean, the price action has been quite nice. I think also versus Bitcoin, it's been quite nice. Yeah. Um, just in the last couple of weeks. Right. And, and this little ascending uh, formation that's been happening across the yeah. market. I guess I guess it's triggered by uh, many VCs. VCs want um, in. Yeah. Be yeah. Um, because you know proof of stake on the major platform, hey, uh, you should purchase this coin and then join this big waves and stuff like that. But, um, but like you know, like large platform like ETH try to move the major upgrade is is always uh, exciting to see the, how the technology behind this uh, the technology behind it works. 
Mm-hmm. And also, um, speaking of uh, different chains or layer two solutions, you see a lot of uh, the bridge hack every week. And I no think, kidding, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, that bleeding is essential in order to mature the uh, platform and technologies. That's a really interesting point because I can't imagine. The VCs that have invested in these bridges and alternative layer ones and and what have you are are that happy about their founders coming to them and saying, "Hey, someone hacked us for six hundred million dollars. Can you help us pay them back?" Right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not something you want to hear. Mm. Um, and I think it's getting it's getting to the point now. I mean, in quite a few instances. They did pay back the funds, but I think it's getting to the point now where no one is going to pay back those funds right. anymore. Right. It's just too much. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the hacks have been rampant. Yeah. So, so that could be a good point that, that people are want to reduce that complexity by staying on the original level one. Mm-hmm. But even if, ETH has a successful fork here. I don't know if you would call it a fork. Successful merge. Mm-hmm. Do we really think it's going to bring gas prices down? That's a good point. Because they point. thought gas prices would go down with the uh, change earlier this year. I guess it was late last year of mm-hmm. the um, separating the the incentive fee, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh and that made gas prices skyrocket, mm-hmm. at least for a while. Now I think they're kind of down lower than than they were before that change. But mm. um, I think everyone across the board thought that that would reduce prices. Yeah. And it didn't, right? So, mm. but at least it will reduce the carbon footprint, so mm. to speak. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to be honest, I don't think... I think this might be an important lesson for people in crypto in general. And you could tell me if you disagree on this, but I think switching to proof of stake because of the environmental argument is Mm -hmm. just acquiescing to the complaints of a bunch of people who aren't involved in crypto. Hmm. The people who criticize proof of work, I don't think that many of them are in the crypto community at all. It's just people from the outside looking for a reason to criticize it. Oh yeah, that's true. This is so true. If you change what you're doing in the crypto world to to please these people who honestly don't want ha- to have anything to do with crypto, what is the point of that? Mm. We think that these people are going to say, "Oh, now it's eco-friendly, so now I'm going to buy my first NFT." I don't think they are. I don't think so. I don't think I so. I think they're coming f- they're coming at it from an angle of they don't like NFTs or they don't like Web3 or they don't like crypto in general for whatever reason. And we could get more into that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and and this is a this is a, a way to to criticize it from a kind of holier than thou standpoint, maybe disregarding the fact that all NFTs ever use less energy than, you know, things like YouTube. Um mm. Which which no one no one ever criticizes YouTube right. for how much right. how much energy it uses. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. 
will will the switch to proof of stake satisfy uh, the eco warriors on Twitter? I I can't imagine that it will. I I look forward to seeing what the next criticism. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, it is interesting that more and more institutions are getting involved, and I think you're right that that probably is driving a lot of the FOMO. But I gotta say, the yields are small on, <laughs> on state deep. so I'm like yeah. personally not that interested. Mm. I don't know. I'd be more interested if I could run my own mining node, right? I guess yeah. I guess you could if you just how much do you need? Twenty four ETH or something like that? It used to be twenty four ETH. Yeah. So maybe that would be worth it to um to join flashbots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um by the way, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but uh <laughs> or maybe I said it last week, but I did do a transaction through Flashbots RPC. Mm. Uh, which was exciting for me. I don't know how, but I did it. So Nice. I encourage everyone to check that out if they haven't checked it out already. Um, even if you're not interested in doing arbitrage and hacking people and all that kind of stuff, you can you can use that tool the way it was, I guess, publicly dis- publicly described as a, a white hat tool yourself. Yeah. If, yeah, yeah. if you want to shield yourself from the uh, dark forest of Ethereum. Yeah, that that's a great article. So yeah, I, I encourage everyone to check that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you haven't read about the Dark Forest, mm-hmm. um, you need to read it. And yeah. after you read it, you'll be terrified, and you probably won't want to use crypto anymore. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, or either you want to be one of the part of the Dark Forest. Yeah, it'll either turn you evil or uh, terrify you. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone, check that out. Let us know if you became evil or terrified. Um. <laughs> but you know what there is uh, a lot of tech coming out that is going to help users be shielded from all the bad actors in the crypto ecosystem whether or not that's on chain or social engineering attacks um, mentioning metamask on twitter leading to thousands of bots attacking you <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> and um it was this article that you sent me about zero knowledge proofs being used to protect the privacy of airdrop recipients. Mm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Since you are, people don't know, Kazuaki is a, in my opinion, uh, a ZKP expert. So. <laughs> you actually, you truly set the bar high. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, I previously worked on the ZK uh, voting platform called ZK Cream with uh, Dan here. So, um, well, first I took a look at the, uh, I found that on the Twitter saying uh, Andrew, Andreessen the Horowitz, the VC, mm-hmm. A16Z, they created a platform, I mean, open source uh, not the platform, uh, open source library called ZKP Merkle Airdrop Contract. Mm-hmm. What, uh, which does, which basically does uh, airdrop, uh, 
while uh, preserving the uh, the recipient's privacy, which is a recipient's address. So that uh, once you join this, uh, once you get the airdrop from this contract, uh, no one knows you get the airdrop by everybody. And then um, they're basically using the uh, same technique that we used on the ZK Cream. They have, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, circuits that lo runs your local machine, try to create the proof, zero knowledge proof on the local using a private inputs. And then once you publish the proof on the contract, your, your transaction will include it in, inside of a Merkle tree. And mm -hmm. if that uh, transaction were verified, you can get the token. Well, actually, you pull the token from a contract. Right, yeah. right. So it's basically the same technique that uh, Tornado Cash does. Right, right, and right. And then if you, if you take a look at the source code, uh, it says uh, heavily inspired by Tornado Cash. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, it was interesting that you sent me that because... I'd actually end up using it mm. in uh, the Element Finance DAO launch, which we'll talk about a bit later. But the what, what what's really interesting in it is that it doesn't necessarily shield you from, I guess, being an airdrop recipient, because obviously everyone can see the transaction happen on chain. Some wallet yeah. receives the token as part mm. of the airdrop. But what it does do is it kind of shields like why you got the airdrop. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. And it protects you like from your own community in a way. Because if you think of a typical airdrop, say for like Discord community members, right? Mm. Like what would you do? You, you would run some script that analyzes the Discord activity, you know, looks for the people who are most active or whatever. And then you have a list of Discord usernames. Okay, great. Like, what does that what does that give you? Now you have to go through that, ask everyone somehow. Hey, Discord username, Mister Bob four twenty. What's your Ethereum address, <laughs> right? And they have uh, to kind of dox okay. themselves on chain, yeah. Um, in order to get the airdrop. But with this technology, you don't need to do that. You basically post in your discord and say hey everyone if you think you are eligible for this airdrop with xyz requirement you know you're considered one of the top 1000 community members or whatever in our discord um go ahead and fill out this form and and what that form is going to do is it's going to generate a proof of your identity that gets tied to your discord handle and once everyone has done that they can later go and redeem those proofs to an address of their choosing. Um, but the proof, the ZK proof itself, has the identity in it, has, mm. has your Discord identity attached to it, right? Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it basically breaks that connection, whether it's an internal connection among, among the project members or team members, of having a mapping of people's identities in this case discord handles to their ethereum addresses totally breaks that so not even the people who are in the project know 
their community members uh ethereum addresses mm, which so is obviously good for a ton of different reasons right. um especially when it comes to airdrops mm. so right um really interesting technology and um i got to experience it firsthand and and do the proof generation and everything because of the element finance dow launch um they're doing an airdrop to what they call ecosystem contributors and um a couple different projects that i had worked on you know open source stuff uh was listed in their list of like eligible github repos so they're doing one where they're going to tie github identities and your commit history to all these different open source projects i don't know if it's actually commit history i don't know how they're doing it but um something to do with your GitHub activity with all these different open source projects. And uh, they're going to be airdropping people based on that. So, so I went ahead and did the proof generation and everything. Um, and then mm. I guess it was supposed to be this week, but next week they're going to allow me to redeem that proof. So wow. I'm excited. How, uh, I was just curious. Um, how long did proof generation take? Um, it took a couple minutes. Okay. And I have a pretty good laptop. Not too wow. long though. Yeah, just a couple minutes. Um, and one thing that was interesting was I did have to do a drag your mouse around randomly on the slider thing. Oh yeah, because uh, you need a random. Uh, I think um, thirty-two, thirty-one bytes. Uh, uh -huh. secret key need some entropy it, huh yeah yeah, yeah. it's a it's yeah. a one-time pack kind of thing oh i see yeah. well, that's always fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah i mean the process was really smooth i was i was i was pretty impressed um hopefully it actually works well i mm. guess I'll, t I'll let everyone know next week yeah interesting. if i get my airdrop yeah um, yeah And the Element Finance folks were on, uh, I believe, an English podcast. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. <laughs> one of the, one one of the big podcasts, not ours. Someone's someone's big podcast. <laughs> um, and so I spent some time listening to that. Um, yeah, it was on Bankless. And um, I will say the guys behind Element I've interacted with. Uh, when I was part of consensus, um, very smart guys. So, so, you know, I actually, first I found out I was eligible for the airdrop. Someone told me, hmm. then I found, then I took a look at the project cause I'd never heard of it because I don't pay enough attention. And then I was like, Oh, it's these guys, uh, from consensus. So, so I thought, okay, this must be quite a cool project. Um, but it does one thing that Kazuaki, you and I have talked about a lot before which is um it gives you a fixed apr on yield farming which if anyone's ever done a, a, even a little bit of yield farming i'm sure you, you've experienced this uh thing that happens where you look at a nice juicy yield of like 40 or 70 percent <laughs> you deposit your funds and you check it the next day and the yield is down to 20 percent or something like that right yeah yeah um and you're experiencing all types of impermanent loss and things like that. So 
they've come up with a system that actually has fixed term yields. It's almost like a, like a bond or um, a CD mm -hmm. uh, to use the traditional finance terms. It's quite interesting. Um, so I don't know. I encourage people to check it out. Although full disclosure, as I said, I guess I'm hopefully part of the airdrop. So um, mm. not, not necessarily doing this to bolster my bags, but just sharing uh, kind of the information I found when I took a look at the project myself, because obviously I wanted to learn more about it if I was going to be a DAO member or something like that. Um, so quite interesting. Although I will say also they're doing NFTs. They're doing some sort of NFT for it. Uh, it's element finance. So it's like an elf themed NFT, you know, kind of Lord of the Rings, pointy ears type of deal. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. It seems like everyone in the discord is just really excited for the NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what NFT does here on the element finance? Uh, I don't think it does anything. Oh, oh, oh okay. Wait, wait. Let me correct. Let me correct myself. I I know exactly what the response is because I saw a lot of people ask that in the Discord. Yeah. They said that it's going to be up to the DAO members to decide what the NFTs do. Oh, that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, uh, that's you know, I'm sure the um, SEC or whoever will love untangling statements like that. <laughs> right. Because that that NFT, um, that big NFT project, what was it called? Like Embers, and it was like the people who scanned some other NFT project before that. Uh, did you see this? These people got arrested in California. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they got in trouble because, um, not because they rug pulled an NFT project, but because they promised that the NFTs would do something in the future. Mm. Mm. And then they rug pulled. I don't think the SEC would have had a problem if they were like, here's some here's some cute art and buy, like, and we're never gonna talk to you again. Enjoy the art. Yeah. But the fact that they said, oh, the NFT is gonna do something in the future. And that's mm -hmm. you always have to be careful when you sell right. someone something that's gonna do something in the future. Because that that uh, makes the SEC very excited in their pants when they hear about uh, what they would <laughs> they would instantly then describe as a security, right? If it's mm. going to do something in the future. Um, I, I always think about like Chuck E. Cheese, you know, it's like if you bought Chuck E. Cheese tokens and then you went to Chuck E. Cheese and they didn't have any pizza and they didn't have any games, but they said, don't worry, all that's coming. Um, but you can buy the tokens now. Mm. That's, I mean, that's, just straight up fraud right yeah so, so um so you have to be careful of that type of thing yeah. but anyway so so element it's going to be up to the doubt to decide what the nfts mm. do. yeah mm. that's mm -hmm. great yeah yeah that's great um anyway speaking of nfts uh i saw a new project when i was looking around on gitcoin grants and i shared it with you that was uh, this thing called IKEA DAO. Mm. Um, and I know you didn't have much time to take a look at the project, but because um, you do live in Japan, you already know a lot about 
the concept of IKEAs. And it's actually something that you and I have talked about previously, mm-hmm. yep. not in the Dow sense, but just in the, in the sense of them existing. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to share your thoughts on just IKEAs in general and then the idea of creating a DAO to maybe purchase, maintain, and I don't know what timeshare them? Right. Uh, well, IKEA basically means empty home. And then mm-hmm. it's a huge problem here in Japan because uh, the number of population is decreasing in Japan, and then it's there. There are tons of IKEA empty home in Japan, mm-hmm. and then sold really cheap, especially in a rural area. Yeah, and you can actually purchase home like I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. So why why is that? Why are these homes so cheap? Uh, well, first of all, there's no demand there. Right, people don't want to live where these homes are located. True, and even if they got home, there's no job out there, and then there's no uh, infrastructure or no no traffic there. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why the the home value were extremely low and then I see. To live there right right i mean these are these are very rural villages and things like that where well i don't know what what would you say most people are either doing farming or some sort of <sighs> probably yeah government infrastructure education something like that although i've heard i've heard like not even um I heard a lot of these villages don't even have schools anymore because there's no children there. Right, that's true. So, like, yeah, like if you have kids in the in those rural area, you have to drive a car. Like, you ha- you gotta have an hour drive to drop your kids to the school. Jeez. Every day. <laughs> yeah. That's intense. Uh, yeah. So I guess these folks who are doing IKEA DAO saw some sort of opportunity here and thought we can purchase some of these homes, we can raise funds with a DAO and do some sort of kind of sustainable eco-village, eco-tourism, woofing. I mean, there's a lot of terms for this type of thing. Um, project to kind of restore something to these areas. Right. Uh, no, it's quite interesting, but again, the, they're also going to be doing an NFT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. So, I mean, my question first time I heard about this is what DAO exactly going to do for IKEA? Right. Why do you need a DAO to do this? Right. I mean, like, I don't know. Why, why it's got to be a DAO? to take care of those IKEA. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have that same question. I mean, obviously for fundraising. Right. Right. It makes sense. Um, but <laughs> I can't imagine like trying to establish a DAO that was domiciled in Japan. Mm. It's got to be I don't even know. How are you going to explain this to the people at the city hall in this rural area? Right. 
they're they're gonna say, okay, who lives here? Hmm. Right? <laughs> well, actually, it's a decentralized autonomous organization. So no right. one really lives there. And then the, the people at the city hall are gonna say, get out of here. <laughs> right? Like, right? Um, uh and, and and they're gonna say, also, we're not letting you buy the house. <laughs> That's also a thing here. Um, I think people view Japan as a very capitalist place, Mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways, there are a lot of values other than capitalism that people hold quite dearly. And so I think probably especially as you get into rural areas, like just because you have the money to buy these IKEA doesn't mean they're going to let you buy them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, you, you you need to have a whole respect from a community, local yeah. community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you know, just if someone's selling one of these houses for a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, they're not making a lot of money off of it. So it's easy for them to just say no to someone who wants to buy right. it. Right. You know. Because what's more important to them is that legacy that they're leaving for this community and their family and all these things. Mm-hmm. Unless unless the only owner now is a 20-year-old who lives in Tokyo and, and right. doesn't want anything to do with the house. So mm-hmm. there's also that situation, yeah. right? And who doesn't want to pay the property taxes on it, mm-hmm. which, which are true. probably more than the house costs. Yeah, I think that's the main reason too. Yeah, the property mm-hmm. taxes are, are mm-hmm. so much, much higher, higher than the value of the house. Yeah. yeah. But if you buy an IKEA and it hasn't been repossessed by um, the local municipality, the local town, um, you have to pay the property taxes that are owed, right? Mm, yeah. Now, they, they do have situations where the, the amount of property tax owed is so high that the, the city actually takes ownership of the house, right? Mm-hmm. And in those cases, you can buy them extremely cheap because then you don't have to pay back the property right, tax. Right. Um, but then there's a whole other system that they use, these things they call IKEA banks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go to like an auction. Yeah, yeah. That happens at City Hall to buy the house and, and, and there's a lot of paperwork and stuff. So, yeah. But you know what? I wish them like all the luck in the world. I'm, I'm really interested in the project. I am a little bit skeptical, but... Um, it seems like there are more and more people joining that community, the IKEA DAO Discord and stuff like that every day that are that have experience with this type of stuff. I've seen more Japanese people joining, which I think is a very good sign. Um, and I think they're going to set up a Japanese time zone uh, governance call soon, um, which they haven't. Right now it's been US focused, I think, so... Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I really hope they come up with something good for the NFTs though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want it to be like, uh, shrine gates and a dragon. That's mm. so cheesy. <laughs> right. Isn't that too yeah. cheesy? Yeah. It should be, um, <laughs> I don't know. It should be like, like, um, Japanese farmer or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something cool like that. I think that's cooler than than a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Some guy making a local delicacy or something. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't know. That would, you know, that could be a good way for them to partner with the wherever it is they're going to actually set mm. this up is if the NFTs had something to do with that community. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I'm an outsider too. Even though I live in Japan, it's hard for me to to, to say what 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 really goes on in these rural communities and and how people act and feel. Uh, I don't know. Although it does seem like on NHK, there's like some some story every other week about uh, some foreigner who's moving into the countryside and oh yeah, farming uh, yeah mustard greens or whatever. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so so you can check out Akia Dow. They're on Twitter. Um, I don't know what their Twitter is, but Akia Dow is A K I Y A. Uh, Dow, D-A-L. That's their Twitter, I think. Yep. Yeah, this is them. So um, go check them out. And they're also on Gitcoin Grants, which is where I found them originally. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all we have for this week. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of this podcast, Something About Web3. Uh, anything else you want to talk about uh, Kazumaki uh, for this week or shall we sign off uh, well we just need to come up with a cool name for this podcast that is true yeah. yeah okay well if you're listening send us your ideas tweet at us <laughs> yeah. um, and whoever comes up with the best name I'm going to make a dragon NFT and send it to you that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I shouldn't rag on IKEA that. I think what they're doing <laughs> is cool. But please don't. Please don't do the dragon. Um, all right, folks. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.